This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, longtime automotive journalist, host of CatoCarGuy.com, and author of Swimming with the Showroom Sharks. Jeremy Cato returns to CKNW to take your calls about anything and everything to do with cars. But first, here are some more of this week's top consumer stories. A reality check from a Quebec research group this week says, by continuing to post deficits with no clear deficits, Deadline for a return to balanced budgets, Ottawa is pursuing a risky strategy that could leave a steep bill for future generations. This from a study by Montreal's Centre for Productivity and Prosperity. In an analysis released this week, the authors do say the federal government's decision to run deficits from 2015 to 18 to stimulate growth was a winning one. However, they say the situation has since changed. Economic growth is relatively good. There is no recession in sight, say the researchers. Labor market indicators are favorable. If these aren't the conditions for achieving a balanced budget, what will it take? The Center's study estimates the federal government amassed deficits of 56 billion bucks between 2015 and 18. With Bill Morneau readying the next budget for March, the study team believes now is the time for Ottawa to commit to rebalancing public finances, see, saying this could be achieved by limiting spending growth to inflation. We shall see. None of us could get away with this in our real lives. Why should the feds? Now, here's a story I'm positive our next guest will have a lot to say about. More than 100 Teslas have been involved in accidents because they accelerated unintentionally, according to a complaint filed with federal safety regulators. The complaint filed on December 19th, but posted just this week, says the problem happened to 127 different cars from all the three models, the S, the X, and the Model 3. The unintended acceleration problems caused 110 accidents, 52 people were injured. Names were not disclosed. Many of the complaints involved incidents involving parking the car or pulling out of a parking space. The National Transportation Highway Safety Administration's office says it's looking into this and has yet to decide whether or not enough evidence exists to open a defect investigation. Complaints of unintended acceleration have frequently proved to be the fault of the drivers hitting these wrong pedal and not being aware that they were using the accelerator when they intended to use the brake. But in some instances, cars have been found to have a problem with unintended acceleration. The most widespread issue involved a recall of over 2 million vehicles by Toyota in 2010. They also temporarily stopped selling eight of their models for a period of time to address the problem. Tesla did not immediately respond to requests for comments on these complaints. Jeremy Cato will help us through the investigation and complaint process and all that in just a few minutes. And we just knew this one was inevitable. Australia will lose billions of dollars in tourism revenue as international visitors cancel trips in droves due to bushfires raging across the country. This is a forecast from the Australian Tourism Export Council, or ATEC, on Friday. The number of travelers booking visits to Australia has fallen, well, 20% since the fires began in September. The slump
slump will cost the economy at an estimated four and a half billion Aussie bucks just this year. International visitors are canceling because fears around air quality, safety, and the impact fires have had on tourism, offering as well as a lack of certainty on how long it's going to take for us to recover. The government, by the way, has a post-fire a program all set to roll out and details for all of this are expected for the bushfire recovery plan to be revealed next week. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have more for you too later on. But coming right up, automotive journalist and veteran car guy, Jeremy Cato joins us in the studio right here on Vancouver Consumer. Uh, phone lines, Andrew, let's, uh, we're going to get lots of calls. Let's just give the number now and get it over with. 604-280-9898. That number hasn't changed, Jeremy, since you were here 20 years ago. 604-280-9898. Your calls and Jeremy Cato coming right up on Vancouver Consumer. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. Sterling Fox joined in studio by automotive journalist Jeremy Cato. Good to see you again. It's been forever in a day. Sterling, I've missed you. <laughs> it's CatoCarGuy.com, by the way, is the website that uh, all of Jeremy's stuff happens from. There's a YouTube channel and YouTube the links, channel, yeah. links uh, from the website to the YouTube channel. But right there on CatoCarGuy.com is a free ebook entitled Swimming with the Showroom Sharks, uh, an insider's guide on how to save 5000 bucks or more on your next new vehicle. And that's a free download on your website. Yeah, you have to subscribe, but then you can download it and kill your subscription afterwards. Uh, <laughs> how long ago did you write that? Oh, that's a couple of years now. There, there's, there's a couple of other e-books that, e-books that I'm going to bring out this year, mostly buying guides, just to give... Uh, you know, the typical consumer, some idea of what's in the marketplace in various segments. So I'm going to put together a series on, you know, uh, small u- sport utilities, large sport utilities, and just as a buying guide service to, to add to that. Because I think when I come across people um, who are looking for a car, one of the things that they're not fully aware of is what to test drive against the car they're interested in. Oh, okay. Or the SUV now, because people don't buy cars anymore. They buy SUVs. Uh, okay, that's yeah. true. So, so you what know, do you mean test drive against? So you drive the competition? Well, I mean, if you, if you, let's just say you're shopping for a Ford Escape. Okay. Um, what, do you sh- you know, what are the three others that you should drive against it? And then also drive the bargain against it. Because okay. basically the, that, that e-book boils down to a very simple phrase, which is ask for a discount because you'll get one. Um, and, you know, there's more to it than that. But basically, um, as, uh, as someone once said to me, you know, always ask for a discount because you're going to get one, you know, at, of some kind. So, And today, because the marketplace, first of all, the car sales last year were down about 4% yes. in Canada. Yep. Um, so, you know, the dealerships have product on the lot. Manufacturers need to move those those vehicles uh, through their dealers. And, and, and so there are deals to be had. Interest rates being low, if you're paying anything for your financing, you're paying too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you should be getting a zero deal for sure. Uh, and if you're not, then at the very least, go to your bank and get a, if you have a property you own or you can get a, uh, you know, a, a, a line of credit, then you're going to pay less than, um, than, a car loan. than most car loans. Sure. So uh, fundamentally, ask for a deal. Always ask for a deal. And then when, so when you're shopping, 
I'll be honest with you. When when you when you when you shop a Toyota Rav Four versus a Honda CRV versus a Ford Escape or a Nissan Rogue, a Nis- I mean, there's not a lot between them. Right, there really isn't. But it's smart to know what they're all. What each right. of them are like, and, and what note the, the differences. And right. what the packaging is like. Sure. So once you sort of put those pieces together, and there's a whole bunch of online services that can help you do cross shopping, like Carcost Canada, mm-hmm. or, or, or you know, so where you can build and price your product online and the dealer website uh, not the dealers the manufacturer websites to be honest with you are also very good They're, I mean most of the discounts are posted there once you get a handle of what the dealer invoice price is mm-hmm. what the dealer pays the manufacturer for and then any hidden incentives that are out there and there's always hidden incentives especially the the manufacturer to the dealer incentive to move a product which the dealer is not generally going to tell you about Learn all those things, then cross up and get your best deal. Because honestly, you're not going to get much. A CRV, an Escape, uh, a, a you know Nissan, whatever. They're very close in sure. terms of their performance, yep. fuel economy, safety, and there are no really bad cars anymore. I mean, when when you and I were very young, um, there were lots of really bad cars. There were um, not anymore. No. And, and, and that's just a competition, if nothing else, has, has created that environment where there's no appetite whatsoever for inferior quality. Anymore. Well, and, you know, I, I'm still a big believer in research. And if you look at the longevity research and just vehicles in general, you buy a car today, any car from any manufacturer, you should expect to get 250,000 kilometers out of it before you spend anything on a major a repair of any kind. Okay. So the average driver these days is doing about twenty to twenty five thousand kilometers a year. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at ten years before you have to spend anything on a vehicle. Um, you know, in terms of a major repair, it could be much longer. I, my son has gone off to school in Portland now, so I'm selling his Honda CRV. So 2001, it's got about 300,000 kilometers on it, and I'm still going to get about three grand for it. Yeah. Because it's fine. It, you know, it still gets decent fuel economy, it's powerful enough, and it gets him around town. It got him around town here for years when he needed a car in Vancouver. Interesting. You talked about this earlier, and I wanted to come back to it because you and I have been doing this literally. We reminded each other before we turned the mics on that the first time we did this was in the mid 90s Jeremy. Oh, early 90s. Uh, I, th- be, I think yeah, it was 93, yeah, yeah, something, something like that. that. Yeah. So a, a lot has changed including our appetites and mm. you've mentioned it already. Very very uh, car sales were down last year even though it was still the fourth best year on record. They were still you've down. Done your research. I have. <laughs> uh, and this is Vancouver consumer. This is what I do every Saturday. <laughs> so uh, at the same time though our tastes have dramatically right. changed. We're we are moving towards the SUV uh, a preference sure. in huge numbers. Why? Well, I mean, the market now is about two thirds to three quarters SUVs and, and light trucks in general. Yeah. Okay. So, for, you know, every three pickup or SUV sold, there's one car, mm-hmm. passenger car. Now, why is that? I think there are two big reasons. One, the under 40 buyer is not the slightest bit interested, with a few exceptions, of course. It, this is a generality, but spare me. Uh, generally speaking, not interested in cars at all. They're interested in functionality, those okay. buyers. Um, they, you know, I, I, my, I've got a 25-year-old, um, and, you know, he goes everywhere with friends. So they want room for people and their stuff. Right. And they're not interested in fast cars. They, we, you know, we were joking about this. Most people under 40 can't use a manual transmission mm-hmm. at all. And it's about 2% of 
all car sales now are manual transmissions. That's right. I mean, it's virtually nothing. Um, so that side of the market, the younger side of the market, is looking for functionality and usefulness, not particularly interested in you know performance and style. Does it sync with my smartphone? That's the most important right, piece. Right. Uh, and can I talk to my car and have it do things, which is now almost standard equipment in most cars, mm-hmm. you know, the voice activation. Sure. And then buyers over 40, especially the baby boomers who are still big driving consumers, so over 55 to 60 plus, um, crawling down into a car isn't any fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so an SUV, the hip point, that point where your hip touches the side of the car, is perfect in an SUV. You just slide in, right. and away you go. It's a lateral and, move. And then I don't know if you have grandkids, uh, Sterling, but a lot of my friends who have grandkids, they're also taking care of the grandkids. Ah, uh, yes. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, Megan and Harry may move out for a while, but they'll be back because they want Granny to help out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the... the um, what you're finding now is the older buyer wants also functionality, but ease of entry, usefulness. And then a lot of my friends like and me, we're still very active. And I'm, I go skiing. I do stuff. I mountain bike. Yeah. I road bike. So we've got all our junk we need to haul around. So what does that mean for passenger cars? Well, they aren't functional enough, right? They're, they're, they don't carry enough stuff for young people. They don't carry enough stuff for, for the older buyer. And, and then finally, while... SUVs and light trucks still are not nearly as fuel efficient as a typical passenger car. Right. They're way more fuel efficient than the cars we were driving 20 years oh, ago. Oh, no on question. Average. No question. So the fuel economy piece, and then as electrification moves into the thing with hybrids and then even more battery electric vehicles, you're going to find that the fuel economy part of the equation, which, by the way, in the latest consumer research that I've seen, is still the number one consideration yes. for the buyer out there. That's right. Yep. That's going to continue to go off the table as a buying consumer. Concern. It is. And, and even with EVs, uh, people are concerned about the costs of, okay, so uh, I'm not going to be buying gasoline much anymore, uh, but my hydro bill is probably going to j- just be a killer because uh, I'm going to have to charge <laughs> that puppy every night, et cetera, et cetera. It's still, it's still a, it's a fuel concern to, to, to one extent or another. It, well, there is. Now, uh, now, one of the things that governments have I've done, I've stepped up um, with with quite a few free or very low-cost charging stations. Right. So I, I live in, uh, in Lower Lonsdale in North Vancouver, and there's a there's a couple of publicly funded BC Hydro charging stations there. And I mean, I test to drive a lot of electric cars, right. and that's where I go, and I fill up for free. Uh, they are free stations. Now the lineups there. They used to be two years ago in those stations, you could drive up there any old time mm-hmm. you want. Plug in, away you go. Now, I never go around those stations without have four or five or six cars lined up to get charged. And did they have the fast charge set up so you they can do, do it They do have the fast minutes? charge set up there, and, and they've got all the different tri- uh, the, the different uh, handle types. So um, so what you find is that in Lower Lonsdale, I don't know if you've been up to North Vancouver lately, but a lot of... Not this week with the snow. <laughs> <laughs> but lots of apartments. Oh, yeah, of course. And, apartment, and most of those older apartments in that area do not have charging stations. Right, right. So you need to use public stations and then all the new builds you're i'm you know you're seeing oh you go to park royal to go shopping mm-hmm. again i'm thinking north vancouver but there's a whole row of electric charging stations in all sorts of different uh, parts of the place so you can charge your car up at a reasonable cost and then finally the the cost piece it's still about 
twenty percent on a on a on a, a per kilometer basis to go for, to electric twenty uh, percent cost of the of the gasoline cost. Do you the, think the public appetite for purchasing electric vehicles, which is very much incentive driven these days, yeah. witness Ontario? The Ford government removed some of its incentives. Sales just took a face plant. They did. Uh, so are, are people going to? eventually buy electric vehicles because they want to, not because they're being bribed to? Well, the, the, the research, that the most up-to-date research I've seen on this is that cost parity for battery electric vehicles, and it, basically it's the battery is about $10,000 oh, yeah. cost, will reach parity by about 2025. So we're, we're within five years of a, a battery electric vehicle and a gasoline or diesel vehicle, and diesels are kind of on the way out. Mm-hmm. Will be about the same upfront cost. Okay. So, what will be the barrier to to, uh, to adoption then? Well, number one will be charging facilities. Sure. Uh, you know, are there as many charging places uh, available for me, and can I take a long trip? So, if I live here in Vancouver, can I drive to Williams Lake and not worry about it? Right. Um, th- so that'll be that's one of the challenges, and we're seeing a couple of major programs going on to build electric charging infrastructures. You might have seen this week Canadian Tire announced that it's going to build 250 charging stations across the country right. and more coming as part of the Electrify Canada program. Right. And uh, Volkswagen's doing the same in Europe. Electrify and and in, in the United States because right. of Volkswagen's cheating Dieselgate right. scandal yes. had to plow 2.2 billion dollars into building electric charging stations across the United States and Canada and therefore we're going to see more of that infrastructure piece. So that's the number one barrier. The other is people are still worried about the range anxiety Absolutely. piece. I mean, you know, am I it's not just can I find a charging station but I'm, can I mobile Mobilize myself around town, right? So, uh, or, or more importantly, Jamie, on that long trip, if I'm going to, right. to the Caribou and beyond, how many? I'll be fine till I get to Canada. There'll be lots of places, but once I get into the hinterland out there, then. Am I going to just end up uh, flat out on the on the side of the road? Just well, and, and so, so we have to ask ourselves: When is what? What is the tipping point? To to use a Malcolm Gradwell illusion, uh, 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 what is the point where people will make the switch? Because if you drive an electric vehicle, I mean, I, I I've driven quite a lot well, in sure the last have, couple yeah. of years. Um, I really like driving them. I mean, the the torque, that instant power that you get to the wheels is fantastic. They're quiet. It's comfortable. And if you can get the range up consistently to, uh, we're not starting to see affordable EVs that are four and 500 kilometers of range. Per charge, yeah. yeah per charge. Yeah, yeah. Then you always, you say, okay, well, I can live with that car. Um, can I drive to Whistler and back on one charge? That's that's a good test sure. for me. That's that's right? an excellent So Whistler test. round trip is about two hundred and forty kilometers, something like that, from right. Vancouver. Uh, and there's lots of charging stations along the way. You can stop in Squamish sure and Whistler. But can I do that round trip without thinking about without it? Without thinking, yeah. About it. And we're there. So now the question is cost, and then the the broader infrastructure strategy, and then people are you know people you know the, the change girls are always telling us, oh, embrace change. Mm-hmm. You'll love change. Well, changing from gasoline and diesel. To electric cars is or vehicles is going to be a big deal um, because people just aren't used to it and people don't people I don't know about you most people I know hate change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is Jeremy Cato. The website check it out. While we take a quick break is Cato C A T O by the way CatoCarGuy.com. I'm Sterling Fox. We're back with lots more, including your calls after this. 
And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer at 3.35 on a Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox having a great time with Jeremy Cato, automotive journalist extraordinaire and uh, owner of CatoCarGuy.com. Uh, and still working for magazines, still writing reviews. And uh, yeah, I write for you know Canadian Auto World and Auto Focus and a few other places here and there. Um, but uh, no, I, I left the Globe in 2015 after 25 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we, we killed the TV show, which we did for 12 years car business on CTV and uh, and BNN um, I think in 2016 15 as well because mm-hmm. I got tired of sitting on airplanes and I've reduced my carbon fr- footprint along the way well way to go yeah. way to go <laughs> now uh, let's take some calls here because uh, Hardy's been waiting on the line from New Westminster through the news break and Hardy we appreciate your patience sir good afternoon Good afternoon, Sterling. Good to hear you on the radio. Wish we heard more of you on the radio. Maybe we'll talk, talk to your boss after it. Oh, you, you, you take care of that for me, Artie. What's up today? Hey, I was I, I was going to buy a Tesla in December, and I decided to back away from it because uh, I talked to somebody. They bought an e-Golf, and that was eligible under the Scrap It program, but the Teslas aren't, and all the vouchers for the scrapper program were gone last year i wonder if jeremy knows anything about the scrapper program if we're bringing it back this year and also the subsidies on electric vehicles uh what they're going to be like for this year because i'm i really want to get a tesla but i also want to get a deal so i might I drive. We have two golfs now, and I might just get an e golf instead. Ah, okay. Well, the let's start with the e golf. Uh, I've I've tested that. In fact, if you go to my YouTube channel, there's a there's a video review of it there. So a little cheap plug for me there. Thank you very much. Uh, I think the e golf is, is a terrific product. Um, you know, uh, the range in the previous generation was a little short. It was around 200 kilometers on the battery charge. Um, that the latest generation version is much longer. I think it's about 310, 320 now. Okay. So a uh, uh, a well-engineered vehicle, and remember, Volkswagen is plowing billions of dollars into electrification. So, to start with the e-golf piece, that that is that that's one of the ones certainly worth considering. Okay. Uh, in terms of subsidies, uh, I would expect that all the programs that were in place last year will continue to be refunded for uh, 2020. And a, the, the, the answer to this is not a technical one, it's a political, political one. one. Absolutely. It's yeah, a minority the, government yeah. here. It's a minority government. <laughs> They're not going to change anything. That's right. It's the NDP propped up by the Greens. Sure. Andrew Weaver has just left the caucus of so the Greens. So it's even more precarious. It's very precarious. And and that's a popular program. And the Scrap It piece um, is, is of some benefit. It. And we do not have Doug Ford running the government here, who mm-hmm. is very an- anti uh, these kinds of government subsidies. So I would I would continue to press my MLA to find out exactly the details of how these things are going to go forward. They may even be enriched because BC wants to be a leader. As we were talking about before, by 2040, the BC government has announced that it wants to be out of the internal combustion engine, engine business. business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so these things are very important to the government. So, so I, Hardy, it sounds like uh, Jeremy's pretty confident here. It's early January. There's a whole year ahead, but that most of that's going to come right back at you. Yes. Now, is that going to help uh, you making the big uh, call for a Tesla? Uh, it, it's not going to help with a Tesla, but like I told my wife, I said our first electric car will probably be the Eagle, and then the second one will be the, the Tesla. There you we, go. We, we really like the Tesla. Like, everything about it is just, it's got that wow factor. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly, I, I'm assuming you're talking the Model 3 or the Model S or the Model X? The, the Model 3, just, I, I like the Model S and X, but it just, 
I'm not enough of a car guy to justify spending that amount of money on a vehicle. <laughs> I hear you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. do. Well, dynamically, the three is fantastic. If you, I have another video review of that as well. I'm, 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 um, I do think that the quality of the materials inside aren't as great as I would like to see, uh, and those things will be be addressed. And and then the subsidy piece is difficult because even the the, the Model Three I test drove was um, as equipped seventy two thousand dollars, and it's very difficult for any government to justify subsidizing a seventy two thousand dollar car. Mm-hmm. So the sub fifty or sub forty five thousand EV is the place you're going to find those subsidies, right. and I don't expect that to change. Okay, uh, we're in Colican Beach next with John on the line. Hello, John. Yes, hi, Jeremy. I've got a question. Um, there's been some severe cold weather recently. How do cars powered with an electric engine stand up to the cold? Oh, good question. Well, that's a, that's the age-old question. Better and better is the answer, um, mostly because the quality of the uh, the chemistry inside batteries today continues to evolve in a positive way. And then the I way, see. yes. So and and so what you're seeing is um, that the 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 yes, there is some effect on and cold weather effect, and it's not just the cold; it's the fact in cold whether you use so many other parts of the car, um, the heater, the windshield wipers, and so on and so forth, the defroster. And so you're, you're draining more off the battery, mm-hmm. and then you get less regeneration braking because you get less, uh, there's less friction on the roads because you've got slippery roads. And, and all these things, I know it sounds like I'm nitpicking here, but they do add up. You know, 2% here, 1% here, sure. all of a sudden you've made a difference. Um, what, what you are going to see, and the research is very, very clear on this, that the battery technology is advancing so fast and it is the frontier for electrification. There are all sorts of things coming within the next five years that are going to absolutely blow everyone's mind. And yes, I know Tesla has the Gigafactory, Tesla has the Gigafactory in its materials, but remember, all the major automakers are collectively going to spend about $300 billion on electrified vehicles in the next decade. True, yes. They're all throwing money yep. at this. It's only going to get better. Well, that's wonderful, because I say leave my car outdoors for one or two days if I'm on a trip somewhere. I don't need to worry about the uh, having a difficulty charging it, getting it started in the next morning. Oh, no, no, you sh- that, that shouldn't be the problem. I mean, like, even if even a normal gasoline um, uh, internal combustion engine car, if you leave it for two weeks at the airport, sure. uh, you may have trouble starting. You may exactly. have a trickle charge problem or a trickle discharge problem that will lead to some problems. But generally speaking, no. And then the other thing is that if you, if you are a traveling person, I mean, I was just at the airport because I was away for Christmas holidays, there's a whole bank of charging stations out there at the airport. Yep. Um, so even then, you're not stuck. I guess that's really the answer. Okay. Thanks for the call, John. Uh, back to Vancouver. Jim, hello. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Calling with regards to the future of electric vehicles, specifically okay. uh, trucks, half-ton uh, half and three-quarter-ton trucks with all-wheel drive and or four-wheel drive. Any offerings coming down the pipe? And if so, when? Ah. Well, the one that got the most, uh, the, the one announcement that got the most uh, publicity was, was Tesla's announcement of, of its uh, pickup the truck. The pickup truck, yeah. The one, the one that had the bulletproof glass that broke, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was great. Um, but, you know, Tesla is, is an interesting question, um, and we can talk about the company itself, but, but certainly whether or not you believe in Tesla or you bought the Tesla magic or not, or you believe in the, the you know, the, the supreme leader, Elon Musk, mm. um, it certainly has changed the industry. No when, question. And so General Motors, Ford, 
um, uh, Fiat Chrysler mm-hmm. Group, the Europeans. I mean, Mercedes-Benz is going to have a pickup. It's going to be electrified. Uh, there's going to be a lot. Now, the details of these things are fuzzy right now simply because I don't believe the automakers themselves are fully sure of how they're going to package and equip them, equip them so they can sell them. But let's put it this way. It's not very difficult to put an electric motor at a wheel. Um, lots of manufacturers are doing this. So if you want an all-wheel drive vehicle in a pickup truck... You're going to have four electric motors? Yeah, and you don't need to have a lot of fancy drivetrain components and half shafts and all the other stuff that, that I grew up working on in my, in my dad's garage. Jim, have you seen any, seen any of the plans even for these with the individual motors for the, for the wheels, that approach to four-wheel drive? Well, I've seen lots of concept uh, yeah, videos yeah, yeah. on YouTube, etc. But again, the lack of details as far as the major manufacturers seems to be very fuzzy. There doesn't seem to be a lot of detail behind uh, behind their concept. And that's because they don't know yet. I mean, they don't really know. What, I mean, and they don't want their competitors to know what they're thinking either, do they? Exactly. And and you, you got to figure out a, what's the price point that I can sell a pickup truck um, for to a mainstream consumer that has the right equipment. Typically, now right now, the average retail price of a uh, the transaction price of a Ford F series F F series pickup truck is about fifty three thousand dollars in Canada. So that's that's for the F one fifty. That's just for an F the gasoline powered F one fifty. That I'm I'm typically. I I test drive eighty thousand dollar pickups now, so there's there's room to to uh, price in electrification. Yeah, my brother's got a Ram and it cost him sixty eight grand. Yeah. Jeremy, a yeah. Ram, but <laughs> but it's because, a Hemi. He says, because, "Go away, it's a Hemi." Oh yeah, well yeah. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> oh sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, and and it, it does. The newest Ram has a terrific uh, interface and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But what you are going to see is some very exciting news within. I think. Uh, well, I mean, Ford is saying within. 18 months they're going to have a, they're going to have their electrified pickup and Ford is the best selling pickup in North America. Uh, I would expect them to push hardest in that the, the whole profit um, base of Ford Motor Company is pickup trucks. Mm-hmm. And so this is going to be an area that that I think you will see Ford lead with announcements uh, uh, amongst all the automakers out there. So Jim is this something you're just prepared to just wait out or are you kind of anxious to to see something and test drive something? That's exactly the equation that I'm running through my mind is I have to replace two vehicles. Do I buy two internal combustion engine F-150 type vehicles or do I buy maybe one F-150 conventional uh, internal combustion and maybe hold on for that 18 months and see if I can get a first or second generation uh, electric well, it's, it's your money, uh, Jim. But uh, uh, if it were me, I would I would make sure I'm up to date today. Get for the most fuel efficient with the cylinder deactivations and all the other pieces that that make a, a, a vehicle today very fuel efficient. And then I'd wait for another twelve months to see what's what the the mainstream automakers are going to offer. Because I mean, you know for sure that the Detroit-based automakers absolutely have to be competitive in sure. pickups, yep. and they are not going to waste time. They're going to defend that turf, and it's something that for General Motors and the Fiat Chrysler can do to hold off what what's really an interesting story in the Tesla uh, uh, side of the business. Interesting stuff. Jim, uh, thanks very much for your call, and good luck with that, uh, figuring it out. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting time, Jeremy, because like Jim, a lot of us know we're right on the cusp yeah, of are. something that's really going to change. I mean, we've gone through dramatic changes in the last few years already, but with the electrification of the business uh, and, and the, the change in tastes, for example, listen to 
to this. My friend, Mr. Cato, goes to a, an event last night sponsored by the Lamborghini people. So they've got a few Lamborghinis in this uh, venue. And the what's the one that everyone's standing around, walking around, talking about? The SUV. Yeah. Lamborghini has an SUV. A lot of people going, really? Hey. Uh, yes. <laughs> and that's within the last year. That This is Everybody's leaning in that direction. And, and, and you know, I, I'm sympathetic to a situation uh, with, with a guy, with Jim, for example, um, or even a Lambo buyer, is that you were talking about enormous purchases now. Like, mm-hmm. uh, as we were saying, your, your, your brother's uh, Ram is $68,000. So, so Jim is looking at probably somewhere between $100,000 and $150,000 he's going to put out in his next two pickup trucks. These are not small decisions. True. And I, I'm betting Jim is a small business person, mm-hmm. and these are work trucks. Yes. And this this really matters. Is my truck going to do what I needed to do for the next 10 or We were just talking that you know the government of British Columbia wants to end um, internal combustion engine sales by in 2040. If you buy a car today, it'll still be running likely by 2040. So what do you do? So what do you do? By, well, yeah. lots of time to figure that one out. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's wishful thinking and, and perhaps uh, it's, it's a political statement as much as uh, an environmental wish list. Uh, and, of course, that uh, it's powerful stuff when you're in a minority government situation. <laughs> uh, back to the phones, and we're at Chilliwack this time at Colin's Place. Hello, Colin. Hey, I just wanted to check in and see what you thought of the Rivian. Well, I mean, now you're, you're talking about one of the, the the directions we're going with pickup trucks. What is a Rivian? Well, it's a, it's it's Ford's uh, uh, association of moving ahead with an electrified pickup. And oh, I, I okay. think it looks terrific. Um, but I've seen lots of concept cars over my 35 years of covering the car business. And what is often a concept and a proposal does not end up as the actual product uh, that you see in the showroom. Right. So the original concept of the Pontiac Aztec was fantastic. What ended up in showrooms was a minivan with hinged doors. That's right. Um, so l- l- let's a let's let's hold off. Minivan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let's. It was a breaking bad kind of car, right? <laughs> Which, if you're a pop culture person, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Uh, so I, I I think the idea is fantastic, and what they're proposing to do is amazing. Will they execute it? That's a bigger question, and and we we really won't know for a little while yet. Now, Colin, it sounds like you're kind of keen to get one if they, uh, if they if it goes ahead and turns out to be an okay deal. Well, I'm sitting in an F series right now and want to go electric and but need the alternative. So, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you're not alone. I mean, Colin's not alone. I mean, you know, I, I run into more and more people that once they get a, a taste of electrification, sure. they get the idea behind it. Most people are somewhat aware that pushing carbon into the atmosphere is not a good thing, mm-hmm. regardless of your position on climate change and so on. And and then the cost reduction. Once we get a fleet of electrified vehicles, um, uh, especially here in British Columbia, because all of our electricity is hydroelectric, mm-hmm. so it's clean energy and it's inexpensive, people aren't going to want to go back to gasoline cars unless you're an enthusiast like your pal next door. Right. Uh, um, you know, who, but he's a car guy. Yeah, he, you know, who wants to twist wrenches. His idea and, of a fun Saturday afternoon is getting really dirty under his car and right. coming up for supper and then maybe going back out after dessert. <laughs> well, but, but, but yeah. That's a big day in his life. And, and that will be a place for that because that will be uh, like, um, you know, some, uh, like a, a phonograph with a turntable. Right. Right? Yeah. It, it's kind of cool. It's something great. But the average person or the average millennial, say my 25-year-old son, mm-hmm. all he wants is a car to get him from A to B. Right. And uh, that'll and, carry him, his friends, and their stuff, and that will not contribute to hurting the environment. Sure, because 
you know, millennials are aware of that as well. And then the cost piece, it's just cheaper to run. I mean, you don't have to do oil changes mm -hmm. with an electric car. You know, your, your fluid changes, are, you don't do brake jobs anymore. You know, I mean, there's no, I mean, because most of your braking is through regenerative braking sure. through the electric motor system. So, I mean, the difference in maybe your upfront costs for an electric car are, is, is greater, but your maintenance costs over the life of the vehicle, which is 15 to 20 years, almost nothing. On CatoCarGuy.com, friends, he's much kinder to Cadillac and Lincoln than I ever <laughs> expected him to be. You might want to have a look at this. Uh, as uh, There's lots of great reviews and a link to the all-important YouTube channel as well. <laughs> Jeremy Cato, a longtime veteran Vancouver automotive journalist uh, and good friend. It's great to see you again. Thanks for coming in. This was just far too fast an hour. We'll have to do it again. I hope we do. Thanks, Jeremy Sterling. Cato at CatoCarGuy.com and we're back after this. And once again, our thanks to automotive journalist Jeremy Cato for a fascinating visit and thanks for your calls too. That was just plain fun. Next week, John Carlson returns with his first look at Metro Vancouver real estate in this new year. Time now for Ask Andrew, our producer, Andrew Ferreira. And the question this time around, Andrew, is uh, what's up with the Canucks box office? Uh, business is brisk again for what seems like the first time in a decade and it literally has been about a decade since the canucks box office has seen as much success as it has and the product on the ice certainly is the big driver behind this sure they aren't sad and and soul emptying to watch anymore mm -hmm. on most nights <laughs> and they have uh, i think one of the highest rates of season ticket returnees this season in the nhl yes they do um i'm reading here on business in vancouver their uh, their chief operating officer trent carroll actually provided Providing a bit of uh, some of the stats, and we, you know, we all love our stats here. Uh, the average jump in attendance this year has been eighteen thousand six hundred forty-three. Mm. I believe Rogers Arena's full capacity is about eighteen thousand eight hundred. That's right. So that's almost a sellout. That's a ninety-eight point six percent capacity arena on a nightly basis. That's amazing compared that, to the last couple of years. Yep, and that's up, and that's in the top eight in the NHL. Wow. So uh, if you remember from, you know, back in the dry days of 2013, 14, 15, when the Canucks were perennial bottom feeders with no hope of, of you know, on the horizon there, mm -hmm. you know, you would see, you know, maybe a two thirds full arena. And for Vancouver, that was that just seems strange. But uh, it's good to see that, you know, as well as the product on the ice, the team's doing better. And, you know, now they're back up in the upper echelons of uh, NHL and NHL ticket figures. All right. And thanks, Andrew Ferreira. And uh, it's good news all around from the Vancouver They Canucks. play tonight at 7 against San Jose. That's right. The Sharks are, <laughs> the hated Sharks are uh, in town at Rogers Arena at 7 p.m. Thank you, Andrew. HBO programming chief Casey Bloys told Variety this week that his best guess for the premiere date of House of the Dragon won't be for another couple of years. The highly anticipated prequel, prequel series was announced last October during an event intended to promote the network's forthcoming streaming service, HBO Max, which of course we continue to hear a lot about. House of the Dragon is set to take place 300 years before the events of Game of Thrones. It'll be based on the 2018 George R.R. R. Martin novel Fire and Blood. On the status of the other since-canceled spin-off of that smash series. That one was going to be called The Long Night and star Naomi Watts. Uh, the guys from HBO said, pilots, sometimes they come together, sometimes they don't. All those TV guys. Uh, he's much more confident, by the way, Mr. Blois, about
it House of the Dragon. This is the prequel to Game of Thrones, but you're going to have to wait a couple more years. And that is our show for today, produced by Andrew Ferreira. If you have questions for Ask Andrew or thoughts or suggestions for the show, please tweet them to us at Van Consumer or shoot me an email, sterling at cknw.com. We hope to have the pleasure of your company again next Saturday, right here, 2 o'clock on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.